Hello, and welcome to the Shipwreck Archive. Thank you. Would you happen to have the Ancon makes a swing to destruction? Here we are. Enjoy! It was the sort of accident that happened in an instant. The waterway away from Loring was narrow, and the wind was starting to rise. The captain, an experienced pilot in these waters before he was a captain, had intended to keep the stern of the ship tied to the wharf and use the rope tension to swing into position. Unfortunately, the line somehow was no longer fastened to the wharf, and instead, the ship almost immediately found itself on one of the reefs around Loring that the captain had intended to avoid. The last wooden sidewheel steamer that operated on the coasts of Alaska was done for. The Ancon was far from her humble beginnings and her original waters. She had originally been built in 1866 as a ferry carrying coal around the Panama Peninsula. Two years later, it was decided to fit her out for grander things, and she was rebuilt as an ocean-going vessel. After a few years traveling the waters around South America, she changed hands and found herself in California. Still, her voyages took south rather than to the north. She was also rebuilt again. It wasn't until 1886 that she was assigned to the colder waters of Alaska, connecting the coastal towns and salmon canneries to the outside world. Officially, the Ancon's main cargo was from the salmon canneries, but the authorities were very aware of some of the other things she sometimes carried. Alaska was a dry state, and at least on one occasion, the inspectors had boarded her to find crates of bottles labeled tonic water. When opened, the bottles had proven to be something stronger, however. The officials were not only troubled by her cargo, but also by her passengers. By 1889, the Chinese Exclusion Act was in full effect, banning all Chinese laborers from entering the country. The 1882 Act and its vague language made it almost impossible for anyone who was Chinese to enter the United States, but the Ancon tended to not bother with such formalities and it generally had more than a few Chinese passengers. With space for over 200 passengers, the Ancon did not only carry Chinese immigrants, however. She also got her share of tourists. On her last voyage, she had several important people on board, including the governor of Colorado and a future congressman from New York. The passenger who did the most to ensure that the Ancon would never be forgotten, however, was the passenger Albert Bierstadt, a painter. Bierstadt had made the voyage in the hopes that the wilds of Alaska would give him the inspiration for new paintings to revitalize his sinking career. The wreck on the reef occurred at 3 in the morning, when most of the passengers were asleep. Most of them did not even wake up when the ship wrecked. The ship had just loaded 14,000 crates of canned salmon from the Loring Cannery and it only had made it a few yards from the wharf before it came to a stop again. The ship had not been traveling at fast enough speeds to make much of a lurch. Captain David Wallace, judging that the ship was not in any immediate danger, allowed the passengers to sleep a while longer. The tide changes around the reef were dramatic and as the water stopped supporting the ship, 
it started to list to one side. It was only then that Captain Wallace woke up the passengers and began to organize the evacuation of the ship. Though some cabins were now so tilted that some passengers were forced to leave their cabins to the portholes, the evacuation was praised for being orderly and without chaos. There was no immediate danger, and so after the female passengers were brought to shore, the men were able to follow them without too much of a rush. They were even able to bring along the luggage. The total evacuation took, at most, half an hour. The main damper on the events of the morning was the fact that it had begun to rain and there was very little shelter to be had in Loring. The passengers and the crew were all forced to cram into the little shelter offered by the cannery and the small huts of the people who lived in Loring. Still feeling some responsibility for the passengers, the crew of the Ancon took it upon themselves to make the now-stranded passengers breakfast with supplies they had brought to shore. Meanwhile, the tide continued to go out, leaving the Ancon more and more alone on the rocks. The 1,540-ton ship was no longer able to support her weight without the water to help support her. She broke in half. Several people commented that the aging steamer's hull had been partially rotted already which certainly did not help with her current situation. With this, it was clear to Captain Wallace she was no longer worth even considering to salvage. The steamer had already been old and out of date. It would not be worth anyone's time or money to try to fix her or rebuild her anymore. After several careers, owners, and routes, the Ancon was finally to remain where she was. Captain Wallace did return to the ship at some point, however, still feeling that it was his duty to assess any possible chance of salvage. He took inventory of the cargo, some of it was salmon that had been acquired for various firms, but of more note was the gold bullion, referred to by the papers as treasure, that had been picked up from Alaskan mines. Captain Wallace supposed that most of it would be able to be removed from the wreck at low tide by salvagers. That was the best news that he could send the owners. Not uncommonly for an aging ship with a cargo that could not be considered particularly valuable, the Ancon had not been insured and was a total loss. For the next several days, the crew of the Ancon did their best to look after the needs of the passengers in spite of the cramped quarters and rough accommodations. Bierstad made the best use of his time by doing exactly what he traveled to Alaska to do. With his luggage, he had been able to rescue his art supplies, and he now began to capture the wreck that he considered a narrow miss. In his painting, titled The Wreck of the Ancon, the ship lists to one side, clearly no longer able to sail on the water that surrounds her. The gray clouds over her speak to the weather that contributed to her wreck, and she looks small compared to the landscape around her. Though the painting has been called the highlight of Bierstadt's later career, and he was very pleased with it, it was not going to return him to the spotlight in the artistic world that he had once held. Indeed, the painting would not sell in his lifetime. When the steamership George W. Elder approached the wharf at Loring, they found many eager castaways ready to resume their voyage. All of the people from the Ancon, including with their luggage, 
were accommodated on the newer steamer, which safely brought them to Port Townsend a few days later, none of the worse for their misadventure. Indeed, the only thing that the passengers lost was some time and comfort, but they came away with an adventure to tell. The owners of the Ancon were less lucky. Old and out of date though she was, the ship was still valued at $100,000, and her runs along the Alaskan coast were lucrative, as it was an underserviced route. Though they were able to recover some of her cargo of canned salmon and all of the gold, the ship herself was not worth the effort, just as Captain Wallace had reported. In the end, the Ancon was almost entirely stripped by the local population, who used the wood from her to build more huts around the cannery. Pictures of her at low water only a couple of years after the wrecked ship show her stripped down to the waterline almost, very little of the sidewheeler still showing, though one of her sidewheels was still upright, tilting over the wreck at a crazy angle. In the end, the Ancon is best remembered for the painting by Bierstadt, which also showed her as she was, a small and stricken ship that was no longer able to fight against larger forces of nature. Though Bierstadt would not live to see it, his paintings would experience a resurgence, and the painting The Wreck of the Ancon would take its place as one of his greatest works. For more information, please see the Daily Alta California newspaper from September 5, 1889, and our sources below. Thank you for listening. Thank you for visiting the Shipwreck Archives. See you soon.